0: How deep is your love for the draft? Cody and I take a look at this deep draft class and how Houston can benefit across the board. And to tie it all in, we want to develop a great team here that we can deliver wins to the city of Houston. We want to deliver a championship here to the city of Houston, and that's what what it'll be about. You are Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to a Tuesday episode of the Locked On Texan Podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm John Hickman. Of course, I'm joined by Sports Illustrators, own and credential media member for the Houston Texans, Cody Davis. Welcome back. Had a road trip. Let's go see them Rockets mess up. Yes, sir. Ain't no mess up. Ain't no mess up.
1: First of all, I already knew the Spurs was going to let the Rockets win because they could not afford to beat the Rockets twice because then it would have ruined their own chances of getting Victor. But it's been a terrible season. Just like I did with the Houston Texans, I'm going to do it again with the Rockets. It's always good to talk about a W and a win for a
0: change. Absolutely, and I think change is going to come for the Houston Texans, and that's the big reason why we are talking about the draft today. Free agency is coming up, so we will continue our free agency discussion. However, between the running back class and the defensive line class, there are some gems in this draft that Houston can use on their roster. Houston had one of the more lackluster rosters last year, right? Let's just be completely honest about it on both sides of the ball. But when we look at the defensive line, Jonathan Grenard in and out of the lineup due to injury. Uh, you got veterans who had great years. Jerry Hughes had a good year last year for nine sacks. Ogbo Okoronko, he ended the year off with five sacks, one in each of the last few games of the year. Uh, but outside of that, and you look at Malik Collins, of course, um, but he was in and out in the lineup. Outside of that, very lackluster on the defensive line when we look at this nfl draft coming up in two months or a month now actually Carter, i think there's some players that houston can really use what about you
1: yeah i i think so too and when i take a look at the talent that's coming out on the defensive line in this draft man the the one thing i'm looking for is whether or not these players can actually help the houston texans stop the run because we talked about it here a lot a lot on the show we talked about how inefficient the Houston Texans have been at stopping a run this past season the Houston Texans gave up an average of 170 yards on the ground now towards the end of last season things started to get a little bit better once Levy Smith made some changes to that defensive front however um this team has been god awful at stopping a run ever since the days of DJ Reader with that being said John there are prospects that I'm looking at but the one thing that I want to know is not only can they stop the run, but also give you uh, 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 give you the best of both worlds where you can also have an opportunity to go after the quarterback. And the one guy that I'm looking at is Brian Brazis, um, defensive lineman from Clemson. Guy came in, measured at 6'5", 300 pounds. We saw it in the combine. He is a big guy who is able to move and This is a guy who is going to give the Houston Texans the best of both worlds, somebody who can stop the run in the trenches. But not only that, somebody that can actually go out there and get after the quarterback, John. According to Pro Football Reference, Bryans did finish off his collegiate career um, recording a run defensive grade of 64, and he had a pass rush grade of 80. When you take a look at the Houston Texans defensive front, And what they had last year, the one thing that concerns me the most was the fact that a lot of the guys that they're dependent on was Jerry Hughes, Malik Collins, veterans that to where when you take a look at the broad future of the Houston Texans, look. Nine times out of ten, those guys are not going to be part of this organization because they're getting up there in age. Um, If I'm not mistaken, I believe at the start of next season, Jerry Hughes is going to be 35 years old, and he led this team in sacks. Um, The Houston Texans have done a great job revamping their backfield, has done a great job revamping their secondary last season. Now it's time for them to take the initiatives and revamp that defensive line and get some youth down there in the trenches.
0: Absolutely, man. I'm looking at a player who I would compare simply off of the lack of film and tape and the one-year explosion that he had. I would compare this player as a defensive end to Anthony Richardson. Now, I'm not Hmm. saying he is athletic as Anthony Richardson. I'm just saying, given the circumstances, I'll make that comparison. And that's tight end turned defensive end Keon White. Uh, Listen, 6'5", 285 pounds. 30 reps on the bench press. And when I watched his tape, the things that I picked up uh, from Keanu, and he's from Georgia Tech, by the way, played in the ACC, uh, awareness, had great awareness as a defensive end. That's something that you want to see, right? Being able to dissect and have good play recognition. Also does a very good job of engaging and making a move with his hands. Doesn't have the best of hands, has decent hands, not great but he does not have fast hands. So he, sometimes you can kind of get lost in the motion a little bit compared to some of the other natural defensive ends. Again, it reminds you guys, he is a tight end turn DN. But he does have a long arm uh, and wingspan, which helps him secure some of those tackles that may be a little bit out of reach for shorter arm guys. I already mentioned about his play recognition in terms of being able to dissect the play and his play awareness. I like his lower body. His lower body speed is good. He gets to places fast, right? And he also plays discipline. Didn't see a lot of tape where he jumped inside while playing a lot of the outside, playing a five containment out. Uh didn't see a lot of that. He's a power rusher guy, not a natural speed rusher. Get after your quarterback using a lot of finesse. He is strong. 30 reps on the bench press. 6'5, right? His body is what allows him to win. And at this stage of his career, I think it's room for improvement, to get better as a natural pass rusher. Again, not the best hands. Saw some improvement from him after Singapore. bowl. Whenever I had an opportunity to go back and watch some of the tape, doesn't play wild again, doesn't play undisciplined, and has a very good pursuit to the ball. Going back to his wingspan, once again, allows him to make some of those Difficult plays. The game against UNC this past year, three sacks, four total tackles for a loss. Just beat guys physically and fast. Physically and fast. That is what he's done throughout his entire single year with the seven and a half sacks. Nothing special in terms of creativity to getting after the ball. He just beats them physically, physically and fast. And when I look at the game against UNC, he set the tone in that second quarter in the red zone. Three straight plays in that area. His name was called three separate times back to back to back. Each of those plays, he dissected the play quickly again, going back to that awareness. And he used his power and speed to get to the ball carrier. Ended his career this season with 54 tackles, 14 tackles for loss, seven and a half sacks, 30 QB pressures, and 41 uh, 30 QB hur- hurries, excuse me, and 41 QB. Pressures, you know, who has similar numbers to that their last season in in college football, Cody?
1: Oh, lord, who is it?
0: (laughs) Charles O'Minahu, 45 tackles, 18 tackles for loss, and nine and a half sacks. Former fifth rounder, Charles O'Minahu. And the best thing I like about when I look at Keon White and comparing it to Charles O'Minahu, when they get to the next level. You know Chuck is already in the league. When he gets to the next level, the the possibility of him being a Swiss Army in between playing some of the five technique, playing some of that three technique or that two eye technique, and he's using his power in order to get some of these one on one wins. And I like that of uh, that that special ability from him. So I can see him playing some D tackle in the league. One personnel executive for an AFC team said you have to see him in person to get a feel for how he moves around for how big he is. He's a big guy. Really athletic with a high floor, he'll be a riser. He's a guy that I think Houston can use because bringing in D'Amico Ryans, of course we know this team needs depth, but I look at White. Again, I believe he can play inside and play out. And with his power, his ability to rush, the pass rusher, rush the quarterback with strictly in strength and power, that is going to make a lot of guys' jobs harder because he's that strong. And I think he'd be valuable for this Houston, Texas team. The midway point of the NBA season is here, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000, that's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel app. Is safe, secure, and easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line, the point scores, three points drained. They've got it all over at FanDuel. So, again, go check out FanDuel, uh, fanduel.com slash locked on. That's fanduel.com slash locked on. Don't miss out on the chance to get your no sweat first bet up to $1,000 back in bonus bets. Welcome back in, locked on Texans listeners, to a Tuesday episode of the Locked On Texas podcast. Be sure to make sure you are subscribed to the Locked On Texan podcast on YouTube, and also check us out on all of the major podcasting platforms under the name Locked On Texans. I don't know if you guys caught the key sweat drop that I did to open up the show. That well, how deep is your love? But I did. This is so, brother. But this is the time of the year where we look at players and analyze them and look at the, look at their tape and look at their film and try to figure out how can a player really help out your team. And, Cody, we look at the running back position because I do believe that there are some studs in this draft. Do I believe Houston should draft B. John Robertson with the 12th overall pick? <laughs> Absolutely not. And – Philly picks ten.
1: Yeah, that was the that was a pick the pick that Orleans, they got from the the guys. New Orleans.
0: And I'm telling y'all right now, Bijan <laughs> to Philly that will be scary to watch. Right, Bijan and Jalen Hurts. But when you get late in the draft, I'm not looking at a Jameer Gibbs, who I think is a phenomenal running back, and I think he ran like a four two nine. His official forty, crazy blazing speed. Uh, The kid from Texas A&M, he had a great 40 and he also had a great combine. But we already have acknowledged that Damian Pierce, as of right now, going into this upcoming season, he will be running back one. And I believe Mm -hmm. that Houston will address the running back position in free agency as well to get some veterans in here, or at least to get a veteran in here, excuse me, to give this team some valuable depth. Something that matters, not the past couple of years where we've seen the likes of David Johnson, the Rex Perkhead, to name to say the least. But I also look at the draft as a time where, when you get later in the drafts, this is where you start to find gems, this is where you start to find some diamonds in the rough. And Cody, I've been talking about this young man for the past couple of months. I've had to watch him play against my team for the past three mm. seasons, and that's deuce. Von a thousand yards, a thousand all purpose yards in each of his three seasons at K State, nearly four thousand yards total purpose yards in the past two seasons to go along with 34 touchdowns. That guy finds ways to get the ball and, and, and pick up yards and get into the end zone. I like Duke simply because he'll be available late, and I think he'll be the most dynamic running back available later in the draft. What I mean, later in the draft, a lot of his knock right now is his size. I think he's sitting around 5'7", 5'8", 180 pounds. His size is his knock. But I've had the opportunity to watch Vaughn put up 150 and 159 yards against the Texas Longhorns in the past two seasons. But during those games, during that, uh, those past two seasons, six games with 60 or more receiving yards out of the backfield. That is why. I think if you add him to the mix here in Houston, he would be a great weapon for this offense, whether it's Bobby Sloan calling the offensive players as the OC or Shane Day and Bill Lazor just getting their hands on a weapon that you don't know what you're going to get out of him. He's dangerous in the open field. He has great vision. He's uber elusive in open spaces, has multiple moves at his disposal to win in one-on-one situations, also possesses the one cut and go can run between the tackles with his size. When you look at a guy like that with that body frame, you expect for them to be dangerous outside. You're hitting those outside lanes. But in college, he's proven to be very good running through the tackles. Has nimble feet, quick and agile. Vaughn wouldn't be expected to be a number one or a number two in his first couple of years in Houston. or well, I think for any team, uh, maybe there's a couple of teams out there in the league right now that can use him as a number two back. But in Houston specifically, for the Texans, he wouldn't be a number one, and I don't see the the foreshadowing him being a number two, but for a team like Houston, he'd be that weapon, kind of like Darren Sproles. In year three for Darren Sproles, 330 rushing yards, 330 receiving yards, a total of six TDs in year three for Darren Sproles, and that was for the number second-ranked offense in the league in 2008 for the Chargers. That's the kind of impact I think Vaughn can have. For any team, he'll get a chance to play for, but specifically for the Houston Texans. And I think that if Damian Pierce is the running back that we think he is, the hard running running back, the angry running running back, he'll need somebody that can complement his style in the backfield. And a guy like Deuce Vaughn, I think he'll fit perfectly with Damian Pierce in his office.
1: And this is where I'm a little bit conflicted, John listeners and viewers, because for the first time since covering this team, I don't think that the Texans need to draft a running back. And I only say that because when you take a look at the multiple holes here on this roster, especially on the defensive side of the ball, especially on the D-line, um I kind of feel like Nick Asario and the Texans can build a better roster without drafting a running back. Now, I'm not saying that they shouldn't go out and try to seek a number two running back because I do believe their best best possibility to do so will be in free agency because even though Damian Pierce is your number one running back, you're going to need somebody at number two who can basically be plug and play. I look at this from a standpoint. If you go out and draft a running back in the later rounds, it's not going to be a plug-and-play situation because you're going to have to give him time to get accustomed to the NFL, which means your number two or your or you're dependent on number two running back isn't going to give you that much production that you want, given Damian Pierce some type of relief. Now, with that being said, in an event that I can see Nick Osirio and the Texans going after a running back in the draft, I do believe that you are looking at a draft that that you can be that can be utilizing both in a rushing attack, but more so in the passing game as well. Because remember what coach D'Amico Ryan said during his media availability. Right after he got hired, he said he wanted to put his quarterbacks in the best positions to where they have weapons all around them, especially giving them the opportunity for check down plays with their running back. With that being said, John, listeners and viewers, the one prospect that I'm looking at, once again, not big on the Texans drafting one, but... Kendra Miller from TCU, when you talk about mid to late round running backs that you can go out there and actually get, I do believe he can be a good fit for this organization because he is a type of guy that could be utilized in a rushing attack, but more so in the passing in the passing game as well. He finished over the last two seasons at TCU, he caught 28 balls for 232 yards and one touchdown. John, once again, I I, I agree with you. In terms of the dynamic style that the Texans need, but when you take a look at those picks, especially considering, and you know, Nick Casario is going to will and deal majority of those later round picks. I don't think it's a good idea for him and his organization to go out and draft them.
0: Well, I mean, I, I don't know if he will will and deal a lot of those later round picks, but this I is say, Nick Casario
1: we talking it's about. It's
0: Nick, but but he has four six round draft picks as of right now. -hmm. I don't see him moving away from all four of those. I say two. I say two. Not to mention he has a fifth round pick. He also has a fourth round pick. And we will see Brandon Cooks depart from his team nine times out of 10. So, with that being said, I'm looking at what he'll get back for that. Right. So, right now, Houston has 11 picks. Later in those, you know, in the draft, that is where you start to see whether or not you have a general manager with an eye for talent that's why i mentioned that i'm not looking later on in the draft i'm looking at i'm not looking at early in the draft i'm looking at later in the draft and i think that deuce vaughn will be the more impactful running back left in between the fifth and the sixth round because i don't think he's going earlier uh than the fifth and sixth round maybe the fourth round depending on what team and i can see the charges you know that's the m.o. I can see the Chargers having somebody they draft him, but they also already have Austin Eckler. Maybe I can see a team like the Broncos who could use a player like him out of the backfield. But between the five later round draft picks, between five, uh, the fifth round, and those four, six round picks, I don't see him moving on from all of those. And I see him using those picks in order to get players that may not be as impactful as you want to see them this year. But He has a coach now that I think he believes in and can get them to a place uh, in their career where they are contributing to a winning franchise. And again, I look at Duke, uh, excuse me, Deuce Vaughn, and I like what he does out of the backfield as a receiver. I like what he does when he's in open space, where he got one guy to beat and he's able to hit him with whatever variety of moves that he has as a running back or one cut and go. So he has a bunch of, uh, you know, tools in his artillery bag and he has nimble feet. Like I, I just mentioned, I just think that when you pair him with a running back like Damian Pierce, who I think would be on this team for the next, you know, two to three years, uh, maybe beyond that, hopefully they get a deal done with him and they don't run him into the ground. Hmm. It's a perfect. One, two combination. So, you know, you're looking at the guy you mentioned, what's the young man's name? Um, Ken Jerry Miller. Miller out of TCU is another mm-hmm. one, right? He's, yeah, he, he, he's another one out of the backfield.
1: John, when I, when I take a look at those picks, man, and, and knowing what I know about Nick Asierio, um, I, I do go back off of how he was able to utilize the draft over the last two years. And when you take a look at those later picks, I mean, hell, look what he was able to do last year in terms of getting help on that defensive front with, Thomas Booker you look on the offensive side of the ball getting help with your boy TQ like I I just look at it from a standpoint of I think given how good Damian Pierce is and given the fact that free agency is only a week from now as a matter of fact that I, I would like to see the Houston Texans go out and when you go out and seek your number two running back just bringing somebody you know without a shadow of a doubt is ready yeah, to come in absolutely. and actually, because that that's the only way I could really see a number two running back being beneficial with the way Damian Pierce's career is
0: starting off. Right, and, and I also want to add that's been one of the uh, harder things to honestly judge Nick Osario by because in his first year in Houston, he didn't start drafting until the third round, <laughs> but those players because of how bad of a shape the roster was, mm-hmm. those players are probably players, and I point directly to Davis Mills and Roy Lopez, those mm-hmm. players are probably players that you don't expect to see much in their rookie year, right? Uh, uh, even, you know, maybe – I'm not going to say Bravin Jordan because he was a number third overall tight end. But between those players, like Nick has, especially in year one, had to draft later, and then those guys have had to play earlier than what maybe anybody would have expected to see without the development, kind of just been thrown out there, right? And so I look at a situation this year where my thought is, yeah, now you have the money to build around this team and free agency. Now you already have some established guys on the roster already. You're also going to go into the draft with a plan. By the time you get to this sixth round with four six-round draft picks, you should be able, as a talented eye for scouting that you we, we think you are, you should be able to find a couple of gems. And that's where I think you draft the running back. I don't think you draft the running back super early unless you are confident in the guy that you really believe in. And even if it's Bijan Robinson, before we move on, even if it's Bijan, <laughs> and I'm against it, I, I really am. I don't think Houston to Bijan should be a conversation or a real discussion. If that's your guy, then by all means, go get him because he can't do a, a bunch of things on the NFL field. But I think once you get in those later rounds, that's when you start looking at some of these deep defensive linemen in terms of interior and exterior uh, edge rusher guys. Some of these wide receivers, this is a deep wide receiver class. And everything for Houston, if I'm being honest, is deep for them because they don't got a lot of talent on this roster already. So they can use the depth that this draft class is providing. And I think that, again, I go back to Deuce Vaughn. I think he is a player by the time year three and four rolls around. You'd be able to look at him and say, you know what, third and eight, we want to send you on the screen, go get the first down. We want to hit you on the check down. We know you can make a move. And that is some of the things that who has mentioned since he's got to Houston. D'Amico Ryan has already mentioned how he wants to run it back out of the backfield, that he'd be able to do a multiple things and be athletic and make the plays, and I think that's Deuce Vaughn.
1: Welcome back in ladies and gentlemen to this Tuesday installment of Locked on Texans. John and I are going to continue our countdown to free agency Um, and today we're going to look at the offensive line. John, one of your favorite positions, the big boys up front and look, I think this offensive line is solid, stable, given everything they had to go through over the last couple of years. Um, you already know you are you have your tackles taken care of. However, I think we can all agree when you take a look at where the Texans need the most help on that offensive line is right in the interior. The one free agency guy that I'm looking at for the Texans is guard Nick Gates get the deal done as of right now he is solid in his run blocking but this is a guy who finished the 2022 campaign with a pass blocking grade of 69.3 so that means the quarterback that you're going to draft with the number two overall pick is definitely going to be protected given the fact that you're going to let him join the likes of Laramie Tunsell and Titus Howard. Not only that, John, listeners, viewers, is another reason why I like Gates for the Houston Texans. Not only does he have an opportunity to play guard, but he, he has had experience playing at the center position. We know since the greatest mystery of all time and Justin Britt disappeared been answered. It's <laughs> finally been answered, by the way. Um, you know, the Houston Texans, they have had some subpar play um at times at that position with with Gates. You get a guy who can play guard, you can move him in at center. And like I mentioned, your offensive line is going to continue to get better for not just your quarterback, but we just finished talking about whether or not the Houston Texans should use one of their later round picks for a running back, and he's going to have an opportunity
0: to help with that as well. You know, so I talked about this with Sarge, and I wonder if if it will be in Houston's best uh interest. A guy Where like a guy like Nick Gates, who does a very good job protecting the quarterback, mm-hmm. you know, would it be in, in his best interest? Because I'm looking at his numbers right here in 2022, this past season, 368 snaps, uh one sack, two hits, seven hurries for 10 pressures in the pocket, resulting in a nearly 78 uh, 97 uh, efficiency rating. Would it make sense if you signed him to move him to left guard and move Keon Green over to right guard? And I say that because I'm going to reiterate, I don't think Keon Green is far from getting better. I don't. I do believe Keon Green is a just a big massive body that can move bodies. And I think that he would be good as a run blocker. And all of the quarterbacks coming out, I don't think there's any left-hand quarterbacks. The predominant mm-hmm. hand is going to be their right hand. Their blind side mm-hmm. is going to be their left side. And this is a team that already has Laramie Tunsil, And so if you can really lock in and solidify their left side. I think you'd be okay. Right? You move A guy like Keon Green, you move that young man over to play with Titus Howard. I think that really does help out the run game and keeping, you know, just body moving bodies out the way. So it's just an idea. I think that at some point Houston should look at that idea. This is just, you know, my thought process. Look at the idea of just trying to figure out whether or not it makes sense to move Keon Green over to the right side of the ball. But uh, Uh, bringing in Gates is not a bad idea. Actually, it's a good Uh, idea. I think he'd be cheap. I get
1: where you're going, but I'm not too sure only when I take a look at Keon Green's development. Now, the best part about this is if that was the case, I think it would be a good idea only because Keon Green is going into he's going into his second season. But I think given everything he had to go through, I might look at the 2023 campaign as his first real um, first season in the league Mm -hmm. because, you know, he was Mm -hmm. in and out of the lineup. And no, we no, saw, no. i saw no, him he, on the field. We saw him on the field, but John, once again, how much of training camp did he was he able to participate in? How much of mini training camp he was able to participate in? How much of rookie mini camp he was able to participate in? Like the man got thrown in a fire basically without no type of training camp. That's the only reason why I say that, and it's and it was because he had to go through a lot of injuries and stuff so with that being said i think it's only a good idea because he's still young he's still developing he hasn't really found his niche on the nfl level so moving him to right guard would be okay on that front however i don't like the fact moving players around too much from position to position only because it kind of hinders their development you and i talked about this a couple weeks ago here on this show and you also got to take into consideration and I can't remember off the top of my head right now, but if I'm not mistaken, I believe majority of Keon Green's time at Texas A&M came at right tackle, left tackle, and left guard. He moved See around. How?
0: He moved around.
1: But he he never touched that, 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 that right guard position. And if he did, they didn't keep him there very long. So that's why I say, you know, you got to be very careful when you start switching players and putting them at new new positions. However, like I mentioned, he's still young, still trying to find his niche. But, you know,
0: Gates, get the deal done. Make sure you continue to improve that offensive line. And the best part about it is you saw what Gates was able to do under Brian Dayball in his first year and help him protect Daniel Jones, right? Whether it's a veteran quarterback or whether it's the number two overall draft pick, Somebody's gonna have to protect this quarterback and make his job and his life in the NFL much hmm. easier. And why not go do it and go get a guy that you've seen proven uh can do it on the NFL level? So Gates is a good is a good target. Thank you guys for checking us out today on Locked On Texan podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Locked On Texans. Also, I'm sorry, I just had a brain fart, but also <laughs> make sure you subscribe to the Locked On Texans on YouTube as well. Throughout the week, we will be coming back with more Draft Talk because this Anthony Richardson and Houston discussion is getting out of hand. Are you sure it's getting out of hand? It's out of hand. Are you
1: sure? I'm, I'm just saying, you know, I mean, yeah. it, it's, it's out of it, hand. But, but, but we, I mean, we talked about the possibility a couple of weeks ago. We did. And Sign I, and I said event. if you flip. no, you know, Not only that, I said if you flip, maybe you go out and get Anderson at two. And then they give you an opportunity Mm. to still get your, you know, a nice good quarterback. At Who knows? Who knows? That's just, that's the one thing about the draft with the Texans and all the picks. And the fact that they're on the up and up is the fact that there are so many great possibilities that you can do to say, how can you fix the Houston Texans? But we'll talk about that on tomorrow's show. More than one way to skin the cat. (laughs) But as always, I'm your host, Cody M. Davis. Please remember to follow me on Twitter. At Cody Davis underscore 24. Once again, that's Cody Sale, underscore 24. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, peace.